Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're continuing on with our Church on Fire series, which is a topical uh, series from, uh, you know, on the Holy Spirit. And we're coming to a close with this chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Those of you who have been with us for the last five weeks or so, you've learned a lot about the Holy Spirit, the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and Paul, really, as we moved into 1 Corinthians chapter 12, begins to speak to us about the giftings of the Holy Spirit. He lists out some different things, and so we can kind of get an understanding a little bit about what are the giftings of the Holy Spirit. And then we moved into uh, last week in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 where we talk about the motive of uh, how we're supposed to minister to one another. And that is by what, church? So, so like six of, six of you were listening last week. Um, so it's by love, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The motive by which we minister the spiritual gifts in the body of Christ is by love. Now we move into 1 Corinthians chapter 14 where Paul teaches about how to operate in the gifts of the Spirit in a decent and orderly way. So stand with me and let's uh, read 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to begin in verse 1. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you to all I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who, pro, uh, who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct uh, sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There, is, there are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Father, we thank you for your word this morning and what an incredible set of passages we have before us, Lord. 
We ask that you would give us clarity, understanding, Lord. We pray that you would help us overcome maybe some, some, some walls that we've put up in our hearts relating to your Holy Spirit. God, we want to be obedient to your word, but we also at the same time want to allow your Holy Spirit to work in whatever way he desires, which is to suggest that God will do, the Spirit will do everything that your word says uh, it, it says that he is supposed to do in the way that he's supposed to do it. And so, Lord, will you get, help us to get over any hang-ups that we might have this morning relating to the gift of tongues, to the gift of prophecy, to your spirit in general? And will you train us and teach us what it means to operate in the spirit in the corporate body of Christ? And will you help us to understand why we're to do these things? We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, is it hot in here or is it just me? Is it hot in here? I think it is very, very hot. When I see people doing this, I'm like, hey, I think it's hot in here. Um, so do me a favor. Imagine with me that you are, you find yourself in first century Corinth. You've just moved there from California, of course, <laughs> because you're trying to find political, you know, refuge. So you've come to Corinth, which is, uh, I don't know if that was a good move or not, but you're looking for a church. You see the sign on the building that says, the church at Corinth. Because there's no internet, there's no way for you to go look online to see what they believe or, in fact, to listen to any teaching, so you have to do it the old-fashioned way. You have to show up and take your chances. So, your plan is this. Everybody tracking with me? You walk into the building Five minutes before it starts, you slip in the back row and you just kind of just in case, right? You have a plan. That's an exit strategy, right? So you've all done this in church, I suppose. I've done this. But the problem is you show up and the back rows are already filled. What happens now? The ushers grab you. They usher you right down to the front. Listen, no Houdini act. On this situation, no way you're exiting now without anybody noticing. If you leave, it's going to be very noticeable. So, uh, you know, the, 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 the ministry begins the, 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 at, from the first strum. The chaos begins, and you hear people speaking in languages all around you. You have no idea what they're saying, some gibberish and all this kind of stuff. The pastor gets up to speak, and there are women speaking over him, asking their husbands exactly what he's saying. What does he mean by that, honey? And all of these kinds of things. And there is no order at all to the service. So, you're like elbowing your spouse, saying, we're never coming back here. And then you make your way out the door. And you're greeted by people who ask you that question. So, will we see you next week? And your answer is, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Listen, it's like you have entered the twilight zone. And unfortunately, that is very much what's happening in the Church of Corinth, but also in the, the church today in many, many areas of ministry here. People are walking into things that are not biblically done. They're not done in decent, in an order. And fortunately, we have a, the scriptures to guide us in what our gathering is supposed to look like relating to the spiritual gifts 
And Paul does that for us here. The title of my message is The Call to Orderly Worship. And this is a two-part series, two-part message. We'll, we'll finish it up next week. We can't get through all of it today. But The Call to Orderly Worship. And the theme comes from verse 40 where Paul says, But all things should be done decently and in order. Decently and in order. I love, uh, there's a Calvary Chapel pastor. He's kind of a charismatic guy. His name is Ricky Ryan. Anybody know who Ricky Ryan is? He is an, he's an awesome dude. Look him up later. But uh, Calvary Chapel pastor. And he, some years ago, I was at a, a senior pastor's conference. And Ricky Ryan brought up this, this uh, topic of things being done in decent and order. And he said, many folks have the decent and in order part down, but they're missing the all things. And others have the all things down while they're missing the decent and order part. And the question is that we're sitting here today in one of those camps or perhaps in the biblical camp, which is we need both. The question you need to ask yourself today, right now in this moment before we move forward is where do I sit? Do I believe in the all things and do I believe that they need to be done in decent and order? Or do I not believe in the all things and that things need to be de decent and order or, or, you know, just decent and order without the all things? You, you have to make that determination for yourself this morning. But I'll tell you from a biblical standpoint, what we're going to find out is that we need both. God gave us spiritual gifts for a reason. God gave us spiritual gifts so that we could minister to one another and to those who are outside so spiritual gifts are vital to ministry, folks. Uh, we all say this, and almost any, uh, any pastor that I've ever heard, whether you're a cessationist, you don't believe for the, the miraculous gifts are for today, or you're a continuationist, you do believe that the miraculous gifts are for today. We both say the same thing, and that is this, that our ministry is futile without the Holy Spirit empowering us to do the ministry. Everyone says that. The question is, what does that ministry look like? And so this is what Paul tells us here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. The first thing that we find here relating to things being done in, in orderly fashion as we gather together is that we need to be pursuing the right thing. Pursuing the right thing. Paul says in verse 1, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. After having just told us what the still more excellent way is, from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 at the end, verse 31. And then he goes into showing us that in chapter 13, which is speaks about love and the right motive, which is the right motive. Now he tells us that we are to pursue the right thing in chapter 14, verse 1. Pursue what? Love. Pursue love. When we gather together as the church, our chief pursuit is to demonstrate the love of God in the body of Christ. That is foundation number one, church. What was happening in the church of Corinth, what happens in many churches in our culture today is that they are not pursuing love, they're pursuing spiritual gifts. The church in Corinth was pursuing spiritual gifts and they had chucked out love. They weren't acting loving towards each other at all when they were ministering to each other and in fact, they were operating by pride, really. And so Paul addresses this and he says, listen, your chief pursuit has to be love. Let the love of God manifest itself through the Spirit of God, which is a fruit, 
the fruit of the Spirit is love, allow that to flow out of you and you will minister to one another. Make that the chief pursuit. But earnestly desire spiritual gifts. I love that Paul doesn't say here, we're going to stop spiritual gifts completely because they're being abused and they're not being used, misused and abused. And so we're just going to completely cut spiritual gifts out and we're going to learn how to operate in love. That's not what he says at all. Because the problem isn't the gifts. The problem is these people don't know how to utilize the gifts in the proper way. And so he corrects them and trains them rather than cutting these things out. I love that because I, I'm, I'm sure that that is an issue for some people who do not believe in the spiritual gifts for today because they're so abused. They're so misused. Uh, when I was, my 21-year-old my son, who now 21-year-old was about four or five years old, I took him to a movie. My uh, second oldest boy was about three years old at the time, so I have these two little guys with me. We're going to see a movie, and we show up, and it's sold out. Now, my son, 21-year-old now, crew, doesn't understand that. He does not understand why in the world he can't go to the movie. Right? And so I, I try to explain to him, son, they're sold out. He doesn't know what that means. So, he throws an epic temper tantrum in the middle of the lobby, flopping on the ground, ah! just kicking and screaming and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, ah! you know, I, I grab him, I get him out to the car, and we never go to the movies again. Wrong. The problem isn't the movie theater. The problem is Cruz Hart, and as his father... I have the responsibility to train him, to teach him how to act correctly in that environment so that we can enjoy it. This is the picture that I see Paul doing here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. The problem isn't the environment. He's not saying, listen, these people aren't saved. He's not saying that these people aren't operating in the Spirit of God. He's just saying they're not, they're not coming together with the right motive and they're not operating in a way that is, is edifying to everyone. And so he says, rather than throw the baby out with the bathwater, let's train these guys on what it means to operate in the spiritual gifts of, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the corporate gathering. He does not say, let me take you in a back room and train you how to do the spiritual gifts. He says, let me train you on how to utilize the spiritual gifts and the Spirit of God will give you those gifts, but let me show you how it's supposed to be done in the body in terms of how we interact with one another. So he says, first and foremost, pursue the right thing. Pursue love. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts. There's nothing wrong with desiring everything that the Holy Spirit wants for you and I hope that you do. I hope you're not afraid of asking God, I want everything the Holy Spirit wants to give me, I want. I hope you're not afraid, and if you are afraid, then you have a misunderstanding. So hopefully we can clear that up. But here's what Paul says. Not only earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Especially that you may prophesy. Some people will take this word prophesy here, and they'll say, oh, well, that, this means inspired preaching. This means inspired preaching. Well, you know, if Paul wanted to utilize the word preach here, he would have utilized the Greek word keruso. means to proclaim or herald. It's translated in the New Testament in lots of different passages to preach. 
But he doesn't use that. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, Paul uses the Greek word prophetervo, which means to speak under the influence of divine inspiration with or without reference to future events, to prophesy, to make inspired utterances. What Paul is saying, if for us to understand what he means to, that you may prophesy, what he means is that you might allow the Spirit of God to flow through you in whatever way he wants to, in the foretelling of future events possibly, or in the foretelling of God's Word to man. And so he says, it desired that. Desired, this is the better uh, speaking gift in the corporate setting because when we prophesy, either foretelling or forthtelling, everyone is built up. Everyone is built up. According to verse 5, Paul says, the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. What is the point? That the church may be built up. We'll get into the nitty-gritty of this here in a minute. But that is the goal, that as we gather together, the church is built up. God is glorified, and the body of Christ is built up. That when we leave here, people outside go, man, those people have been with Jesus. That's the goal. If only a couple of us leave here built up to the point that people know that, we're, uh, that we've been with Jesus, two problems. Either it's my heart problem or it's a problem going on within the body. The, great, the, 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 the greater speaking gift and the gathering together of believers is prophecy because everyone can be built up. If we desire to have orderly worship, we must pursue the right thing. And secondly, speak to the right person in the right way. Look at verse 2. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For one, no one understands him but, utters, but he utters uh, mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people. Paul tells us here that orderly worship involves directional speech relating to spiritual gifts. What do I mean? We must speak to the right person in the right way. The right person in the right way. The gift of tongues, Paul says here, is a gift that is directional, listen, from man to God. Gift of tongues is speech from man to God. The gift of prophecy, he goes on to say, is directionally from God to man. So, if I'm speaking in tongues, I'm speaking a message from myself to God, not to you. And if I'm speaking prophetically, then I'm speaking a message from God to you and to me. You see, it all matters. We have to, we have to use the right speech and, and, and speak to the right person in the right way. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever been to a service where either led by the somebody in the pulpit or on the stage that says, somebody speak in tongues or somebody stands up and speaks in tongues and then there's an interpretation, and that interpretation goes something like this. The Lord said that there's someone in here with $500 in their pocket, and it needs to make its way into the tithe box. Anybody ever heard that before? Well, the Lord's speaking this morning. Let me tell you. No, I'm just kidding. But listen. <laughs> the problem is the gift of tongues is not a message from God to man, but from man to God. So if you've, ever been, if you've ever experienced the gift of tongues where a prophetic word was given, that's not biblical. 
I, I don't care who it is and how, and how it's done. That's not the way that it's done according to Paul, who's inspired by the Holy Spirit, who's telling us that the gift of tongues is solely a message from man to God. What is that message? Oh, it's prayer and praise to God. It's prayer and praise to God. It's a, it, when somebody speaks in a tongue, it's because they've come to a place in their worship of God where they need assistance in continuing to pray or to praise God. We talked a little bit about what a tongue is, so let me just refresh your memory. It is a, a, a known language. A known language is just a simply uh, sounds that are agreed upon to mean something. That's what an agreed language is. So it can be uh, the ability to speak Spanish without really ever learning Spanish. That would be the gift of tongues. But it can also just be sounds, as Paul indicates to us in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, so it could just be a, a language that's unknown to us in this world, right? But it's agreed upon that God, that it's a known language. So it is a known language to God. But it's also an unknown language to the speaker, right? That's the gift of tongues. And, and uh, so, so if you have the ability to speak in, a, in, an, in an unknown language to yourself, um, then that would be the gift of tongues. Now, the gift of interpretation is like this. Having the ability to hear what's being said without having learned that language and being able to say to somebody, this is what this means, that is the gift of interpretation. Now, here, here's the interesting thing about interpretation. Is you don't have to, it doesn't have to be a spiritual gift in order for it to be exercised in the body of Christ. Do you know that? Because if you've, say for instance, learned Spanish, and, you know, somebody stands up who doesn't know Spanish and speaks a word, and you know the interpretation of it, you need to make the, the or, and you need to make that interpretation because you know the language. That happens all the time. That's exactly what happened in Acts chapter 2, folks. They, the people that heard the gift of tongues heard it in their native language. It wasn't that they had the gift of interpretation. They understood their own language. would be like being in China and some Chinese guy stand up and speak in English and everybody's native language is Chinese and you know English and you say, I know what he said. He said this. But you say it in Chinese, which would be the gift of tongues if you don't speak Chinese. You see what I'm saying? Wow, this, this stuff can really get, it's pretty awesome. But, but that's exactly what happened in Acts chapter 2. It's also exactly what happened at Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10, verse 46. It says, for they were hearing them speak in tongues and extolling God. They understood what was being said, and it was a praise to God. And so they, they all... Um, they were able to interpret that. Paul tells us here that he prays in tongues often. He says more than any of these people. He prays, he prays in, in, in tongues here so that it can be a prayer as well. It's not just praise, but it can also be a prayer. And uh, um, when many people believe when Peter came down in Acts chapter 2 and he began to speak to the people, it's an erroneous uh, teaching that Peter was speaking in tongues when he was speaking to the people. He was not. He was speaking in a known language to everyone. 5,000 people 
got saved on that day. 3,000 people were added to the church that day, actually. And it was because Peter was speaking in a language that everybody understood, whether it was Greek or Hebrew. He was speaking in an a language that everybody understood. So he was not speaking in, in tongues there. Uh, he was speaking in tongues in the upper room, which was a sign to unbelievers, which we'll talk about next week. And then when he came down, he spoke prophetically to the people, and people got saved. Uh, people don't get saved through the gift of tongues. They get saved through the gift of prophecy. People don't get saved through the gift of tongues because it's a praise or a prayer to God. People get saved through the gift of prophecy because it's the foretelling or the foretelling of God's word to man. And so Peter couldn't have been speaking in tongues. He was speaking, uh, he was speaking to people, a message from God to people. So here we have the, the gift that it, the gift of tongues. It, it, if in order to be used in the body, it has to be interpreted in order for it to be edifying. And unfortunately, that doesn't happen in many churches in our culture today. People just exercise the gift without no interpretation, and nobody knows what's going on. And then you have guests that show up, and they go, "Dude, I ain't ever going back there again. That was weird." And maybe some people are going, "Dude, this is just my vibe. It's not biblical." And we care about what the Bible says. We care about how God wants things done. So we listen to the word of God, not what our experiences are, you know, whether they're biblical or unbiblical. This is where we have to not be offended by God, but we have to allow God to train us. If we've had an experience that we thought was genuine and real, it probably was. But here's the reality. Was it biblical? Was it done in a biblical manner? God can use anything, folks. He can use anything. But, let, but it's not all from him. You see what I'm saying? He can use acts that are not from him to bring people to him. And he does that all the time. But we can't assume because somebody does something and then somebody gets saved that that was totally God. The salvation part of it is totally God all the time. But how we get there, it, he can use anything. He can use anything. Well, not only are we to pursue the right things, speak to the right person in the right way, but to call... Uh, but the call to orderly worship also involves striving to excel in building up the body. Look at verse, uh, the second part of verse 3 there. Let me begin in verse 3. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people. Listen, for, now here's the purpose of the prophecy, for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. That one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues. This is Paul's heart for every person. I want you all to speak in tongues, but do all speak in tongues? No. But he wants everyone to speak in tongues because of the edification that he himself has, okay? Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? When, when the body of Christ gathers, we must do everything for the glory of God that also involves striving to build up the body and not just ourselves. Jesus said that we're to be about others. What it sounds like to me is happening in the church of Corinth is they're all about themselves. Like, who cares what builds up other people? 
I care about what builds me up, so I'm going to do what I build. And this is the mentality, this is the a consumer mentality that has made its way into the church today. I don't like that worship song. That, that sermon wasn't that great. Well, listen, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about God. And it's about glorification to God. Were you glorified? Then, then the, there's the, that's wrong. That's not what we're, we're here for. We're here to glorify God. And we can do that in a lot of different ways. And sometimes people don't like the way that's done. Well, it doesn't make me feel like this or that. Who cares? Because it's not about you. It's about God. These are the kind of things that we need to confront ourselves with, right? When we gather together, it needs to, we need to strive to build up the body because it's about, it's about others. It's about the Lord first and about others. Paul says when we speak prophetically that it's for three purposes. For the upbuilding of the body. This literally means to increase the potential of someone, to strengthen them. Secondly, for the encouragement of the body, literally to exhort and admonish one another. And finally, for the consolation of the body. That means to comfort or to console others. Paul goes on to say that prophecy is the greatest speaking gift in the congregational setting because it builds up the body. Contrasting that with the gift of tongues, Paul goes on to say that when tongues are manifest, it only builds up the speaker. Listen, unless, and this is the conditional clause. Paul says unless there's an interpretation, then that could build up the body but not fully because, listen, he goes on to say here that now, brothers, in verse 6, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? Again, the gift of tongues is not a message from God to man. It's from, I mean, yeah, it's from man to God, right? So in order for Paul to bring revelation, to bring some sort of knowledge or prophecy or teaching, it needs to be a message from God to man. Are you tracking with me? What he's saying to this church is your overemphasis of the gift of tongues in the, in the body of Christ is totally unbiblical and it's not beneficial to everyone. It's only beneficial to you. That sounds super selfish. And love is not selfish. Love doesn't insist on its own way. What Paul's telling this church is you guys are totally out of line but let me bring you back into line. Make prophecy the point of your gathering together. And that's why here at Calvary Chapel and many other churches, by the way, we teach the Word of God. That's the point. We're not interested in, in you know, entertaining people. We're not interested in, in pursuing experiences. We're interested in being built up and edified so that we can go out and do the work of the ministry. I encourage you to grab the, uh, the red little bulletin in the back of your seat pocket that has our mission statement on it. We believe we are an Ephesians 4.12 church. We believe that we exist to equip the saints for the work of ministry. We don't believe that we're here to pursue experiences and that we're, we're here to, you know, show people, you know, the manifestations of the Spirit in us so that we can tell people how mature we are. And, and that would actually be the exact opposite would show people how immature you are, really. We want the gift. Paul's saying focus on the gift of prophecy. I wish you could all speak in tongues because it's edifying personally. But he says prophecy is better because everybody can be built up unless, 
There's an interpretation of a gift of tongues, which would be awesome. Hey, listen, here's what I'm saying is if you're here this morning and the Holy Spirit tells you to speak, who are you to hold him back? Who are you to hold him back? Well, I don't know. I'm afraid that there won't be an interpretation that will be out of line. You will never operate in the gifting of the Holy Spirit without walking by faith. You will never, ever do it. And so if you walk by fear, you're never going to see the manifestation of the Spirit in your life. Paul says, you know, pursue love. Make prophecy a focus of your ministry, but, but earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Let the Holy Spirit flow. Do not worry about God fulfilling the other part of it, church. That is to quench the Holy Spirit. And I, see, I think a lot of people, I've done that myself personally, where I have this strong sense that God is telling me to do this. And I'm like, dude, I ain't doing that. No way. There is no way I'm standing up and saying anything to anybody about that. And the Lord said, okay, I'll use somebody else. He wants to use you. But you have to allow him to. You have to walk by faith. And listen, sometimes that's a little scary. <laughs> I ain't scared. Okay, well then walk by the Spirit. Because I promise you, he will stretch you like you've never been stretched before. He wants to do things in our lives, folks. But we have to let him. But Paul says, don't make that the emphasis of your gathering, right? He goes on and, and uh, goes on here. He tells us in verse 7, if, if the lifeless instruments such as the fruit or the harp do not, get, uh, do not give distinct sounds, how will anyone know what is played? If a bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if your tongue, uh, you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will become a foreigner to the speaker and a speaker to foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. That should be the end goal of the Christian, to build up the church. Could you imagine if the worship team got up here and all their instruments sounded identical, they were all the same note, which should be the case. Sometimes they don't they make mistakes, you know what I'm saying? But here's the thing. Could you imagine if there was no distinction in the note? It was the exact same note. Everybody's playing the, the exact same tone, the exact same octave, the exact same everything. There would be no distinction. It would just sound like one note. Everybody get here with me. We praise the Lord. We praise the Lord. He is, you know what I mean? That's exactly what it would be. It would be totally monotone. But the way that musical instruments work, <laughs> probably a lot of other people more educated on that than me, but the way that they work is they have distinct sounds and notes and they're, they're able to complement each other in the same chord context and they sound different and they sound wonderful and beautiful. Paul is saying that's what our gathering is supposed to be like. We're all in the same note, the same chord, but we're distinct and different and we're utilizing the spirits flowing through us in different ways and, and he's, he's, we're making music together that honors him and glorifies him but is edifying to one another. That's the analogy here. He says, listen, if you get up and you start to speak, 
and nobody understands what you're saying, how is that going to benefit anybody? You know, hey, that happens here sometimes. My brain checks out on me like, choo-choo. You know, I'm like, what? wait a second, where was I at? You're wondering where I'm at. I'm wondering where I'm at. But, but hopefully we can get back on track here, right? But imagine the whole sermon like that. And you're not learning anything. You don't understand what's going on. You have no idea. The spirit is, you're not sensing anything because there's nothing to sense. And that happens a lot, folks. And you know what takes over? It's sad to say, but emotions. Emotions take over, and then we become like Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus chapter 10. And we're saying, God, you're glorified. We're going to glorify you. And we're offering strange fire to God, and it's not from him. And, you know, and, and we're, but we're saying it is. I don't want to be like that. If the Holy Spirit wants to do something miraculous in our presence, man, praise God. I would love to see that. There's no way that I would ever manufacture any of that. No way. Why would you do that? And there's no way that I would, um, you know, stand up and show everybody my ability to do something in the Spirit of God that's not going to benefit you. That's pride. That's not, the, not what the Lord wants us to do. He tells us to excel to strive to excel, to put some spiritual sweat into it is what he means. He means like actively try to go after the point of building up the body of Christ. Let me ask you this question. Be honest with yourself. When you come to church on Sunday mornings, what are you striving for? What are you trying, why are you here? What is your point? To worship God. How do we worship God? Well, a lot of different ways. But here's what I'll tell you. Is that to worship God is to strive, to excel, and to build up the body of Christ. To serve other people. Isn't that what Jesus said? Love God and love others, right? If you do this, you'll, com you'll complete the law. So that's how I want you to interact with one another. But, but if we're not intentional when we come to church about I'm going to love God and I'm going to love others and I'm going to find a way, I'm going to do everything that I can, Lord. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to ask you, Lord, how can I be used on Sunday morning to build up the body of Christ? Not how can Pastor Tim do it or how can Kate Puckett do it or how can John Thomas do it or how can, you know, um, Gene Trembo or anybody else in the, in the children's ministry do it. How can you do it? Because we're all in ministry on Sunday morning. Listen, this is part of it. But do you know what's even more impactful? Your conversations with each other. That's even more impactful. And if we're not prepared when we show up, today Pastor Brian was praying before service. He said, Lord, help us to be sensitive to see those people who are hurting. Help us to be sensitive to see those people who need a word of encouragement. Those people that need to be comforted, Lord, help us to have the spiritual eyes to see those people. You can take your chances and show up and hope that that happens, or you can strive to excel in that. You can make that a focus on your Sunday morning saying, this isn't about me. This is about God. And this is about God using me in this gathering to build up the body of Christ. 
this is not the only way that we're supposed to be built up. We're supposed to be built up like this and this, right? You're in ministry. Right now, you're in ministry. When you leave these, this four, these four walls of this building, you're in ministry. You got to ask yourself, God, how can I be a blessing to the body of Christ no matter where I go, no matter what I do, and then how can I be a witness for you? That is your life song, Christian. Nothing more, nothing less. How can I elevate Jesus? How can I make it about Jesus? Strive to excel in the building up. Do not be satisfied with what happened last week, last month, last year. Do not be living off yesterday's manna. You, wanna, you want the Lord to use you today because today is the day that the Lord has made. Yesterday is gone. Today is a new day. Lord, how can you use me? Use me, Lord. If we desire to have orderly worship, we must pursue the right thing, speak to the right person in the right way, strive to excel in building up the body, and finally, speak to not be misunderstood. Look at verse 13. Paul says, Therefore, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. This is the, I think, the, the mandate of every pastor. That you would speak in a way as not to be misunderstood. You do your best to communicate from, a, from the pulpit in a clear manner so that people can't leave with something different. Right? And so you really got to think about what you're saying. And sometimes I say things from the pulpit and somebody comes up to me and they go, hey man, um, you said this and uh, you know, I was wondering what you, what you meant by that. I think you meant this. No, 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 no. That's not what I meant at all. And then sometimes I'll come back up the following Sunday and I'll say, hey, you know, somebody brought it up to me that I said this and, and this might have been the way that you've taken it. I want to clarify that that's not the way that I meant it so that you can understand, so that I communicate in such a way as not to be misunderstood. That should be your mandate as well. That takes intention. That takes some thinking. How can I communicate what I want to say to somebody? You've got to let the Spirit of God give you the words. You've got to ask Him how to do that. But we need to make sure that we do that. Paul says, listen, if, if you do that, then you'll, you'll always be in the Spirit. And here's what he says regarding the gift of tongues here. He says, speak as so not to be misunderstood. In other words, if God gives you a gift of tongues in the moment, he gives you, an, you know, that instinct, that, that conviction that I need to speak this, do this first. Pray that God will give you the understanding of what it is that you're supposed to say and then say it in your native language. He's not saying stand up, speak in tongues, and then say, this is what I meant. That would be showy. No, what he's saying is, if the Lord gives you that instinct to do that, pray first and say, Lord, will you give me the ability to speak that in English right now so that I can just tell everybody, so that everybody can be edified? And here's the thing. If he says no, then what do you do? You go forward. You let her rip, man. You just stand up and you say it, right? But you have to do that. But if he gives you the understanding of what it is that he's impressing on your heart to say and you can say it in English, you should do that. 
Therefore, you can speak in a way as not to be misunderstood. Everybody would understand if you stood up and you said, uh, you know, Lord, you're so awesome and great, and it's a praise or a prayer to God, then that would be the gift of tongues. That would be from man to God. You would, you would do that, and everybody would be able to be edified in some way because you've done it in a way that everybody can understand. But Paul says if you don't do it that way, you run the risk. He goes on in verse 14, but it, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Dude, if I'm praying in tongues and I don't understand what I'm saying, how can I be fruitful? This is the weird thing about the gift of tongues is that it's not two gifts. It's not the public manifestation of tongues, which is one gift, and then the prayer language of gift of tongues is a different. No, it's the same gift. It just manifests itself differently. One in a congregational setting, one in your prayer closet. And he says... If I'm praying in tongues, I don't understand what I'm saying. My mind doesn't know what my mouth is saying. And yet there's this weird thing with that, that you're edified. Anybody who prays in tongues knows what, what Paul is saying here. They understand that. They, they get that. There's an edification in that. He goes in verse 15, what am I to do? I'll pray with my spirit, but I'll pray with my mind also. So he says, I will at times pray in tongues, but I will also pray with my mind. And, and you know, I, that, that it's something that, you know, we need to kind of get used to. I skipped something that I want to say up here. Pastor Chuck uh, gave us, he, he gave me a, I found a quote from Pastor Chuck on, um, will you just put that slide up from Pastor Chuck here? When man reaches the end of his ability to worship God through his own words... The Spirit gives him the ability to do so through the gift of tongues. It's a beautiful manifestation of the Spirit assisting man in his worship of God. And so, so Paul is saying that I will do that at times, but only when my mind is exhausted and I can no longer move forward. Some people, all they do is pray in tongues. That's it. And, and it's not that that's not edifying. That's awesome that you can do that, but pray with your mind too. Pray with your mind. Think about what you're saying. Don't just let the Spirit do the work for you. Think about who it is that you're praying to. You know, express yourself through your mind to the God in heaven. Utilize your mind as well. He said, I'll sing uh, praise with my spirit, but I'll also sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can uh, anyone in the position of an outsider, say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying. For you may be giving thanks well and enough, but the other person is not being built up. Verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. This is really important, what Paul is saying here, because do you notice the emphasis? It's not about him. Although he has the gift of tongues, and he could certainly utilize that, and, you know, in the leading of the Spirit, however, the, the Spirit would want to do that. But his heart is for everybody else. And his heart is that everyone else in, this, in, in that place, wherever he was, would be built up and edified, and that he himself even through his mind, would be able to edify, be edified through the Lord. 
I think a misunderstanding of the gift of tongues is to think that, you know, the, that the Spirit it's himself is, he's only assisting you in, what, in your worship of God. It's not like an elite area of worship. It's, it's simply because you, you have hit the capacity of your ability to express yourself to the Lord. Have you ever done that before? I would say try to do that with your mind first and then let the Spirit do that. That's what I think what he's saying here. I want to be edifying to everybody. I want to let the Lord do what he wants to do in, in our midst, but I want everybody else also to be edified. And so he says, man, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to, to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. When it comes to speaking in tongues, the gift of tongues, the gift of prophecy, what matters most is that people are built up. And you'll certainly be built up if it's truly the Spirit of God being manifest through you. You certainly will be built up. But if there's no interpretation, you'll be the only one built up. And in this setting, that's not the focus. The focus is others, right? The gift of prophecy. When the gift of prophecy goes forth, it builds everybody up. Listen to this. Believer and unbeliever. When the gift of prophecy goes forward, it convicts the heart and, and builds people up. It gives exhortation. It gives admonition. It, it gives every comfort. It gives everything that we need for life and godliness. The gift of prophecy is really, the, 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 in the corporate setting, probably the, the primary manifestation of the Spirit of God in, in, in a corporate body setting. Our aim as, as believers should be to build up the body. Could you imagine? What if, what if you chose today to say, Lord, I'm in ministry. I'm a believer. I'm in ministry. So when I show up on Sunday morning, I'm in ministry. I'm going to minister to somebody in some way, shape, or form. And you're praying through that and you're yielding yourself up to the Spirit of God. What do you think is going to happen? I promise you, Pastor Mike, Pastor Brian, myself, we're not going to have a lot of counseling going on because you'll be counseling each other. You'll be ministering to one another. The Lord will meet your needs. And that is the way that it's supposed to be. That is the somehow, somewhere, along the centuries of the church building up, the church put all the onus on, on the, the ministry leaders to do everything. They're supposed to be the ministers, and they're supposed to be the prayer people, and they're supposed to be the this and that. No, that's not the body of Christ. We're all different giftings, and we all have different roles, but we have to use those things. So we don't, we don't, we don't spectate. We're active participants in what God is doing in the body. And that's what makes a body a healthy body. That's what makes the body of Christ built up. That's what makes the body, you know, be what it's called to be. Is when everybody's doing what they're called to do. I don't know where you are, but, but I know that if, uh, if every person in this place yields themselves to the Holy Spirit to minister to one another, however... God calls them to minister. It's going to be awesome. 
It's going to be awesome. And I'm not saying you're not doing that. I'm just saying make sure you're doing that. I'm just saying that is the call of Christians. And uh, I promise you, you will become somebody that will be greatly used by the Lord, not just in this context, but everywhere you go, because you're ministry-minded. You're ministry-minded. Ask yourself the question this morning, how do I show up to church? Do I show up to church to get something, or do I show up to church to give something? If we show up to give, we're going to see something drastically different, you know, than, than what we will if we show up to get. So be people that show up to give. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the clarity on the gift of tongues, the gift of prophecy, Father. And I pray even right now, Lord, any unclarity from the pulpit here today would just be taken out of the way that your spirit would just speak directly to our hearts in this matter. Father, we can sit in a, a message like today and think like the gift of tongues is not important. Because here we have a teaching that clearly identifies the gift of prophecy as uh, the greater manifestation of the Spirit of God in the corporate setting. And yet that isn't the, the, entirely the point. I pray that you help us to always consider the context to know that Paul, through your Spirit, is addressing a church that is misusing and abusing the gift of tongues. We want to have clarity on that this morning in our own hearts, Lord. We do want to be built up, and there's nothing wrong with us being built up. You, you call us to be built up in your word that we can give back out what we've been given. And so this morning, Father, we just, I pray, Father, for anyone here today that has just a misunderstanding of this or whatever, that you just minister as only you can. You give clarity and understanding. As we close, Lord, I just want to give an invitation this morning. For you tell us, pursue love, but earnestly desire spiritual gifts, and especially that we might prophesy. So as we close this morning, Lord, I, I want to give each and every person here an opportunity to be prayed over, relating to opening themselves up to whatever it is you, you want. If we need to pursue love more, then we would just lift our hand up and ask you, Lord, to, to meet us in that. If we want some sort of spiritual, if we're desiring a spiritual gift specifically, Lord, that we would just raise our hand and say, Lord, I want, I want more of your spirit to work manifest in my life. That we would take that step of faith today and say, Lord, I'm open and available to whatever it is you want to do. If we want a, just a baptism of your Holy Spirit, a refreshment of your Holy Spirit, an empowerment of your Holy Spirit this morning that we can be the ministers that we're called to be because everything that we talked about today cannot be done in the flesh. It has to be manifest through your spirit. So will you come and meet each person here today? If that's you, will you lift your hand up? The Lord sees exactly what you need. God bless you. God bless you. Just lift your hand up and say, Lord, you, you see my heart. You know what I need. I want to pursue love, Lord. I want earnestly desire the spiritual gifts and you know the spiritual gift I earnestly desire Lord just lift your hand up Father you see every hand in this place you know every heart in this place and your desire 
is to pour out your spirit on us. And so will you meet each and every person here today that took that step of faith to say, Lord, here I am. I want to be changed and transformed. I want to be a a vessel that your spirit can flow through. Will you meet them today? Will you give them a gift of tongues, Lord, the gift of prophecy? Will you give a word of wisdom? Will you give words of knowledge? Will you allow give gift of faith, Lord, the gift of healing? Will you come now and meet each person right where they are? Father, we believe wholly in the miraculous gifts of your Holy Spirit that they are for today. Come now, we pray. And for the rest of us here today, Lord, Help us to stay on mission. Help us to continue to strive to excel in the building up of the body. We praise you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.